You are listening to the Catholic Recon Podcast, testimonies from Catholic reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Don't forget to leave a review and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Catholic Recon, testimonies from reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Don't forget to subscribe. Visit eddietrask.com for more information about my ministry and share the video. We want people to share these videos. A number of people have mentioned, oh, this is great. I love how this person told their story. And my, my question to them is, did you share it? Did you reach out to other people in your family and let them know about uh, such a journey? Anyway, with that, I want to introduce this week's guest, Sean Mitchell. Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Eddie. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So, Sean, I'm going to give you the floor. I know nothing about the story take it away. Feel free to share any of the resources that you have uh, available, and uh, we'll go from there. Sure. Yeah, that, that sounds good. Um, well, you know, feel free to stop me anytime, ask, ask many questions. I, I, I tend to go into to detail. That's just my personality, but okay. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go from there. So, right um, <clears throat> so I, you know, as I thought about uh, coming on the show and talking about the story, uh, you know, I, I had, I participated a little bit in uh, uh, focus ministries uh in in college and uh one of the uh guys that was involved in that talked about you know uh when, when you're speaking of your story it's good to think uh as far back as you can go um and because you know all of that's in god's providence and so i think we kind of just start uh there as far back as i can can remember so um <clears throat> you know when i when i was a uh uh well first of all i was you know uh, born and raised in new hampshire now live down in georgia I uh, was born into a family. My my dad was Catholic, but never never baptized us. Um, was was uh, married outside the church, although not uh, necessarily wanting to uh, have have uh, been married that way. Uh, but that's how it worked out. Um, and you know, I remember as a child, uh, in a lot of ways, a, a distinct sense of just joy in in, in being a child. Uh, but also, <clears throat> I remember. Uh, and, you know, actually, it's funny because uh, how I heard about you is through uh, Michael Lofton's show and you discuss scrupulosity and we'll get into that with with my story. But I remember from a very young age having a very uh, sensitive conscience and being very fearful. Uh, so that was uh, a significant part of my story that will, will come into play later. Um, so but just some some interesting things from from the very beginning. Uh, you know, my mom, who uh, still claims to be an atheist, although I argue with her that that may not be the case, um, she's just unwilling to admit it. Uh, you know, she had said since a, since a very young time that, uh, that you know, I, I, after my grandmother passed away, I had, uh, I had told her, you know, not to worry because, you know, the angels were watching over, something to that effect. And she actually said that day, she thought, he's probably going to become Catholic someday. She thought specifically Catholic. I'm not sure what her reasoning was behind that, but that's what she thought. I guess she saw it. Maybe she thought my personality, whatever, right? Um, so even as a young child, I, I had um, some distinctly religious sensibilities, even though uh, it wasn't the case that, that I was brought up uh, in, a, in a religious home. Um, and, you know, to speak to that uh, scrupulosity aspect, I remember uh, it was probably first or second grade, uh, just one evening, and this is probably the first experience I have of recognizing that I had some sort of mental struggle that now I understand to be, well, one, I think from the psychological side, obsessive compulsive disorder, but then on the, on the other side, if we give it a spiritual component, scrupulosity. I remember at this young age, uh, I, I, I was up in the evening and for whatever reason, I said prayers, even though, again, I'm not sure if anyone ever taught me that. The most I remember is going to a friend's home and they would, you know, pray grace before dinner. Um, and I was just tormented. I, I, now I didn't understand God that he can heal, hear all our prayers and know them before we even ask them, but I needed to pray for every single person that I could think of. And I went, back and I backtracked and made sure, oh, did I pray for Grammy? Did I pray for this person? Did I pray for that person? I was just tormented. And I remember waking up the next day and uh, going to school as like a six or seven-year-old kid and just being like, 
that was so stressful. <laughs> uh, I mean, I didn't have those words to express it, but that's essentially the, the experience I had. So, um, so yeah, so as, as a young kid, as I said, I remember uh, childhood with, with a lot of joy, but also I, I do now look back and realize that there was something, uh, one, perhaps religious sensibilities, but two, that, that scrupulosity that will come out later in the story. Um, so fast forward a little bit, uh, there, there's, uh, I, I will say um, there's some things in, in, in my family that, uh, you know, are, are, are relevant to the story, but I think just out of respect for my, my parents and, you know, others, I, I'll, I'll be discreet in sharing that. But uh, fast forward, say, to middle school, I want to say it was about uh, seventh grade, and I asked my mom, because I was in, in conversation with uh, a, a girl from school about whether she believed in God. And, uh, and, and I went to my mom and I asked her, do you believe in God? And she, and she said, no, she was honest with me. And it was heartbreaking uh, when I heard that, but I also pretty immediately adopted that view, um, which was, which was strange. Um, and I think that was just, and you know, my mom and I were very close. Um, and I tended to uh, kind of follow in her uh, I guess in her footsteps in that way, and uh, and so I adopted what what she believed. Um, you know, there there are many reasons for which uh, the latter part of my story, which I'll begin to talk about, uh, became what it was. But I think that atheism, uh, which wasn't a militant or an intellectual atheism, it was just a simple "I don't believe in God." Uh, I think that that contributed largely to uh, the lifestyle that that I began to to live. So. Uh, fast forward a little bit more, and we're looking at uh, the summer before my, my freshman year of, of high school. And that was the first time that, I mean, even prior to that, I was uh, engaging in, you know, uh, activity with girls that was not appropriate. Uh, I mean, especially for the age. Um, but then, you know, fast forward to that, that summer before uh, my freshman year of high school. And that was the first time that, uh, that I experimented with marijuana and uh, kind of moved further into, uh, sexual promiscuity and, 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 and things of that nature. Um, and I, and I want by no means to, uh, to, to glorify the sin as, as I speak of my story, but, um, so, uh, I'll, I'll be explicit about not explicit, but, uh, clear about the things that I did. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, try to, touch on it lightly as well. Um, so I guess from, from, from there until let's say it was probably my, uh, gosh, my, the, the summer before my senior year of high school, from there until about then, my life was just racked by constant use of marijuana, use of other drugs, uh, you know, reckless behavior. I, I think back now and I just, I really do shudder with fear over uh, how many times I could have died from the things that, that I was participating in. Um, I, I, I remember, and I'll just give you an instance because I, I think it's important to account for people if they are stuck in this sort of behavior, uh, what, uh, what sort of danger you put yourself and others in and, uh, and you know, praise God. And, and, and I thank him that in my case, it uh, didn't end in, in death or, or, or something of that nature. But um, I remember distinctly having smoked, having been driving under the influence and uh, just stopped at a red light, several people in the car. And for whatever reason, still a red light, just decided to take a left on an enormous hill with a, a truck coming down at you know, decent speed at us. And it just missed us. And, and, and everyone in the car was, I mean, they're basically yelling at me, you know, like, what are you doing? And they're all participating in the same thing as I was. But I look back at that and I'm like, I could have killed myself and several of my friends and some of whom I still consider friends. Um, and so that was just, uh, I look back and it's just a, it's, it's a blessing and it's a, it's a humbling experience. And it's, you know, something to that, uh, again, I shudder with fear even to think about it to, to this day. Um, so, yeah, and I, I'll say that I, I fell into, uh, among the other sins I talked about, just a deep, deep depression um, and, and anxiety. 
and confusion. Um, and you know, this is not by any means to uh, to to play up uh, you know my virtues because it, it's God who brought me out of it. But my 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 confessor actually told me, he said you your story. <laughs> He's like, it's not common. People don't generally come out from, from the depths that, that, that you came out of. So, uh, you know, praise God for that. And yeah, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but I fell into a, a, a deep depression and, and I, I often have specific events that I remember. So I'll bring those up as, as they come to mind. I remember one day, it was probably my junior year of high school sitting in, uh, in, in class and just having this overwhelming sense. And I think I knew deep down that I wasn't going to do it, but I was scared of my own self that I wouldn't be able to keep myself from committing suicide. I knew I, I, I knew I wasn't going to, but uh, I was just afraid of myself uh, because I was, I was, it was just this heavy weight of, of depression, of anxiety, things that, I mean, kids at that age, just even, you know, I wasn't an, a, a child entirely, but just shouldn't be experiencing. Um, so, so, so there was that. And, you know, I'll stop here and I'll be kind of especially candid because, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a particularly, uh, you know, charismatic type of person. Uh, I've actually been trying to, you know, pray to the Holy Spirit more directly recently. Uh, I'm actually more of kind of a planner, but before, before your show, uh, today, I just, I took my time to pray this morning and, uh, and at first I was like, you know, I'm just going to be quiet. But then I asked the Holy spirit, you know, what, what is, what is it that you want me to say? And the only thing that came to mind was, was this to, 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 to remember, to point out that, uh, I remember discrete instances of having a longing to go back to childhood. Uh, and I think that that is an extremely important point get, that we'll get to a little bit later, but that's what coming to, to Christ is because Christ brings us to the father and, uh, and he brings us into relationship as sons, you know, Pope Benedict, uh, speaks of, speaks of it as, or Ratzinger at the time speaks of it as sons in the son. Um, and so, yeah, if there's anything I if there's anything I want people to take away, it's just that. Because um, you know, if if uh, if I heard if I really did hear the Holy Spirit, then you know that's that's what He wants them to do as well. Uh, we'll leave that to the viewers to decide if that's yeah. authentic. Um, so so, anyways, so uh, fast forward to this end of my junior year in high school, and uh, and I was. Uh, arrested. It was not for anything. Uh, I mean, it wasn't good, but uh, I was at a party, uh, 35 or so kids broken up by the police. Uh, and in, in New Hampshire, they've, they have laws for uh, what they call internal possession. So I, I had, uh, you know, a certain level of alcohol in my body. They were able to detect that that's illegal. I was arrested. And, and you know, I, I don't remember it as kind of the distinct turning point, but it was because after that, I pretty much abandoned the, the things that I was doing, uh, more or less. There were, you know, here and there, uh, I, I, I made the same mistakes, but more or less had abandoned them. And, uh, and at the time, I was, I was dating a girl who ha had kind of a, a history of, uh, I guess, Christianity and her family. And she went to a Methodist church. And I will say the one thing that I hadn't abandoned is the, the sort of relations with her that I, that I uh, shouldn't have been having. And uh, I asked her, I said, you know, I think we should go to church. Um, and I didn't know why. Uh, I, I just, I think I just wanted something more as, as we all do. Yeah. And so we went to this Methodist church and uh, it was, uh, I still, uh, gosh, it's a song I hear them sing in the Catholic church sometimes, but one of the more just kind of uh, contemporary Christian songs. And I heard it and I just, uh, uh, I, I, I started crying right there in the church. And uh, I guess that emotional experience, which may or may not have, have you know, come about through God. Um, it, which church? I didn't catch that. Uh, a Methodist church. It was a Methodist church. So she, yeah. you went to her church. Got it. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, so I, it, for whatever reason, I wanted to go back uh, and I did. 
And then eventually um, I decided, honestly, without now, as I look back, explicit faith in Christ, which is, which is strange, because uh, mine, although it's funny, I'm, I'm known among my friends and my family to be a pretty intellectual person, my conversion was not intellectual. Um, <clears throat> so even without explicit faith in Christ necessarily, um, I, I wanted to get baptized in that Methodist church. And so I did. Um, now, oddly, because this isn't typically the case, it was not a valid baptism. It was only in the name of Jesus. Um, typically, it is uh, their Methodist, as I understand it, or Trinitarian. Trinitarian yeah. And we'll get to, uh, in a weird way, the beauty of that as it, regard, as it uh, ties into my story uh, afterwards. So, so anyways, I do that, and that's uh, happening the summer before my senior year, and I get to my, my senior year, and this is really where the, where the story and the journey toward uh, Catholicism begins. So I cannot speak highly enough of my, my high school teacher um, that I had that completely changed the trajectory of my life. Anyone in my life who was close to me knew this. Um, my school was, for all intents and purposes, a public school. It's, it, you didn't have to pay to go there. There were 3,500 students, but people from, it was semi-private is, I guess, how you could term it. And uh, certainly had all the political correctness and stuff that uh, prevents, you know, teachers from being able to, 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 to speak boldly. Um, so anyways, again, this guy's class, Mr. McMahon, we still talk pretty frequently. Um, and uh, the first day, uh, he, he, he starts class with, you're all failures. Sorry, my phone's on. Let me just uh, turn oh, off the notifications here. Um, he said, you're all failures. And everyone's kind of up in arms. And he's a funny guy. And and he's like, well, why are you getting all defensive? He's like, do you know what a failure is? And he, we spent the entire class defining what it is to be a failure. And really, the way that he defined it uh, was, as sin is often defined, to miss the mark. Um, and he said, is it, is it not true that we all miss the mark to some extent uh, here or there in, in our lives? And so in that sense, we're all failures. So I was just intrigued from day one. I was like, this guy's just, I, I, I didn't like him. I saw him as this kind of just too conservative, you know, just middle-aged guy. But at the same time, I was just intrigued. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, there are so many stories. There are so many things that he said. Um, but I mean, long story short, his class was about, the way that he had described it was uh, this class is going to be uh, an adult class and we're going to have adult conversations. I mean, he's talking to 17, 18 year old kids and he's like, so we can go, uh, we can talk about anything you'd like. We can talk about human sexuality. We can talk about religion. We can talk about politics. We can talk about X, Y, and Z just ran the gamut. And, uh, yeah, and, and the class was uh, the the class was called media and communication. So he factored that as in as he could, um, but really he just made it a discussion of uh, a, a class of, of free dialogue. Yeah, and and one thing that I had noticed as I sat in his class was agree with him or not, this guy knows what he believes and he knows why, uh, and he was going to be able to. Uh, tell us why that was, whether it was politics, which now I would disagree with him a little bit. I, I, I don't go necessarily as far right as he does say on politics or even on Vatican II, right? Um, although I love him to death and he's a, a wonderful man. Um, but I, I, I knew uh, that he knew what, what he believed. And he always had these awesome little aphorisms up on the board in, in class. One that I remember was, uh, if you'd like to understand, you must first stand under, um, which I thought was just awesome. Like one, stand under just the people in your life who are wiser than you and know better than you, but ultimately stand under God. So I, I began in his class. Um, and by the way, stop me anytime. If, if, if no, I'm loving it. Go. Um, yeah. So, so I, I, I began at pretty much every day after class, uh, 
just staying after class and talking to him. And then eventually I began every Tuesday uh, going in and he would spend an entire free period with my friends and I, um, and he would more or less evangelize us. I don't actually remember many times when he explicitly talked about the faith. I do remember a couple instances when he explained to me why Catholics believe what they do about Mary and so forth. But, and I can't remember what really solidified it for me in terms of why I wanted to become Catholic, aside from just having faith. Um, but I do remember that he told me, he said, uh, why don't you just go to mass? Just try it out. Um, and I went and it was to a church in my town, which uh, uh, was, you know, maybe standard Novus Ordo church yeah. uh, with an old priest who was boring. And I went in and I didn't like it, but I sensed something there. And so I just kept going back every week. And, uh, and what it ultimately resulted in was, uh, was that, that movement towards the faith. Um, if I could just backtrack for one second and just tell one story, just because any chance I can get to honor this teacher of mine, I, I want to just show how good of a man he was. So as I said, we, uh, we, we would sit and talk with him every Tuesday. A friend of mine who also had a conversion, he's not Catholic, but uh, he's, you know, he's devoted himself to Christian faith since then. Um, and he had a, a, a father who, uh, you know, cheated on his mom. And, uh, and he spoke of this to my teacher. And he said, you know, my dad messed up, but he used a more colorful word, a very colorful word in front of the teacher. And, uh, and Mr. McMahon responded with, uh, in kind with that same word. And he had something about him that that was he used that because he knew he was talking with teenage kids, right? And he said, well, Christ is on the cross for the mess ups and used the other word, as I said. And I thought that was just really powerful um, that he that he was able to just offer that, uh, that word of the need for forgiveness, um, but to base it not on he needed to forgive, but Christ forgave. Um, and that's where our forgiveness uh ought to spring from so uh so yeah so basically uh from from there uh i i just wanted to become catholic and pursued that pursued that and that ultimately resulted in uh my becoming catholic when i was 19 easter 2011 um and uh and i just remember when i got so i called the church uh, wanting to go through their RCIA program. And I just remember getting a call back from them saying that they were willing to have me go through it. And I was just ecstatic. And, and I look back on that and I'm like, you know, we can't base our faith on emotional experiences, but there's something to that. And I just, I just know that uh, that came about as a result of knowing that what I was about to pursue was, was, was true. Um, and so I think a lot of uh, conversion stories uh, kind of stop there. But I think one thing that's important to point out is that that was kind of the beginning um, of, of my conversion story was having become Catholic. Um, one interesting tidbit is that my dad, uh, and I didn't know at the time kind of the whole marriage thing and this and that, but I had a wonderful priest and, uh, and I, I asked him, uh, if my dad, which isn't even technically allowed, could be my confirmation sponsor. But his response was, um, well, if he, if he comes to Mass every Sunday and goes to confession, then sure, I'm fine with it. And my dad did. Um, so that was just just, just beautiful. Um, and he's since kind of you know, flip-flopped and fallen away a little bit. But I think that uh, you know, the, 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 the seed was planted. So you know, we have hope for that. Um, so, uh, so I became Catholic and then I quickly became, you know, uh, per, perhaps overly zealous. Um, and, uh, and, but it never happens. That never yeah, happens. Come on. Yeah, exactly. I, and I'll tell you, that's actually to this day. Um, I have, I'm a little timid. I mean, oddly enough, I'm on, on, on a show sharing my faith, but I'm a little timid about doing it just person to person. And, Part of the reason for that is I, I remember friends um, when I would, you know, if I'd speak up about some aspect of Christian morality, I remember one of them just essentially calling me a religious nut. 
and you're you're a young you're relatively young kid or you know moving into your early adulthood and that hurts you're you're still really attached to to friends and and the significance of that and they're kind of who you've known and so to this day I'm I I uh I I tread lightly on that and and I think that that's a lot as to why but so anyways I I applied to uh, go down to Ave Maria University um where where I ended up studying psychology and uh, as I said that's kind of where the, the conversion began so I won't go too deep into it but um I mean, the formation there was just, just beautiful. I, I thank God. Um, I, I just wouldn't be the human that I am without having had that. Um, but this is getting to that aspect of, of scrupulosity that I spoke of from the beginning. Um, that sensitive conscience that I had all throughout, even though I was doing all these terrible things. I knew what I was doing and I was tormented all the more by it. Uh, scrupulosity just destroyed me. Um, I mean, I was delaying confession for six, seven months because it was such a torment. Um, I was honestly in confession and I'll just be blunt, um, hiding things that weren't actually now that I look back, weren't actually sins, but I felt they were sins, but I knew I sounded crazy if I said them. And then I'm all, you know, worked up over that. And it's just, it was an, you know, Pope Francis talks about how the confession, confessional shouldn't be a torture chamber. It, do, it doesn't matter what the priest does. It is if you're a scrupulous person. Um, and, uh, and so that was just an absolute torment to me. Um, and How actually, long was this going on? So, yeah. So, well, actually, let me say one thing, which is, you know, I mentioned how I didn't get baptized with the Trinitarian formula. Yeah, I yeah. look at that and I say that was an absolute blessing because I would not have been able to go to confession prior to my confirmation um, in the Catholic Church. And I would have been a wreck to even enter um, if I had to do that. And I look at that as a grace from God. You know, he saw my weakness. And so let's just do it all in the Catholic church from the beginning. You don't have to go to confession right away, et cetera. So, uh, so yeah, so this, this continued, uh, I mean, to this day, it still continues to some extent, uh, but it continued all throughout my time at Ave Maria into my early marriage, which was in 2015. And again, still continues to this day. Um, you know, actually in preparation for this, I watched yours and uh, Michael Lofton's interview on your show and, uh, you know, he, he spoke of it as, you know, uh, kind of uh, an issue of formation of the conscience, which is true, of an issue of spiritual, which is true. But, uh, you know, just anyone who may be struggling with this, it may very well be uh, what, what my case is largely, which is, uh, you know, I hope I can be this candid on the show. I have diagnosed obsessive compulsive disorder. Sure. Um, and, uh, and actually it's in the family and it's, it, it's something as I understand that gets kind of regressive over time. So as my grandfather might've had it and been able to cope, uh, you know, it kind of gets worse as, as I understand it, as you go down the, the chain and, and the genealogy and so forth. Um, so I'll be honest, confession was a huge part of getting rid of it, but I actually had to, I ended up having to take medication for it. And I think that there's no shame in that. And that really was the turning point that allowed me to start going to confession regularly. And then that brought the spiritual healing that was required for the scrupulosity. Um, and yeah, I, I guess I'd just say to kind of tie it all together. Um, you know, a conversion really, be, if, if we believe in the church and the sacraments and the offer of grace that's there i think all conversion really begins after that entrance although there's that initial stage there's there's I, nothing can replace the grace of the sacraments uh nothing can replace uh immersing yourself in the spiritual wisdom of the church um and just kind of over time being chastened by God and being formed by good friends and older people who are more wise than you and, and so forth. So 
Yeah, there's probably a lot I uh, I missed, but uh, I, I guess I'd say that's uh, in a nutshell the the story. That's amazing. And when you talk about still dealing with the scrupulosity, I think you mentioned a confessor as well. So you're yes. actively working through that because there are, and Michael can attest to this. There are a number of people that are saying, "Yes, I've overcome the the big, maybe eighty percent of it." but there's this lingering stuff. And I still have little traces that try to get at me, you know? And I think of St. Francis de Sales where it's kind of, you're shooing away flies. Like that's not a sin or you already know the truth. And yet there's this whisper or something that's trying to, trying to get you to go back in time. So mm -hmm. is that right? The confessor is really just helping yeah, the confessor's, that. yeah the confessor has been huge it's interesting though because and so so i uh i try to go to confession once a month and actually i had a a, a confessor at uh at, at um ave maria university who actually told me that i could only go once a month because sometimes that's what scrupulous people need is to know like hey you you can't you know come back every day this and that although i, I wasn't really but he just said let's make that a rule um but uh, it's interesting because my confessor is almost the opposite of what you typically, I mean, he's, he's Orthodox, he's a good priest, but also the, almost the opposite of what you typically think would work well for a scrupulous person. He is very much like you make your own decisions and freedom of conscience oriented, which at first I thought this isn't going to work, but you know, my wife recommended that I go to him. She knows him well. And, um, you know, honestly, he's, he's been good for me, but I think it's, just, it's the grace of the sacrament provides healing. It is a sacrament of healing. Um, so, you know, I, I, I hesitate to speak on, you know, how exactly to go about yeah. uh, solving scrupulosity in my scenario. Again, it was a mixture of kind of the psychological and then the, the, the spiritual, uh, specifically through the grace of the sacrament. Well, I think, yeah, the only thing that I can truly say is you have to realize you need help, obviously, and be willing to mm -hmm. seek help. And that's the starting point. And then from there, the Holy Spirit can put people in your life, you know, in your life that can truly help. So, yeah, you know, you know, I'll say, um, and my, my wife is, is one of those people. And I know your story, when you talked about it, your, your scrupulosity was kind of uh, you were going to your wife to 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 uh, to make those confessions in the absence of a priest, right? And I remember, you know, as I was as I was younger, I, I uh, there was a distinct thing that I did at school that was pretty bad, but not like like I mean, all things considered, not terrible. Especially I was like in fourth grade, and I went and confessed to my mom, but then I felt that I didn't confess it enough, and then I confessed it more, and it was like days upon days, and I was tormented and this and that. But anyways, um, I, I, losing, losing my, my train of thought there a little bit, my wife, um, she's, she's one of those people. And I think that you need people who are going, you don't want people who are going to reinforce your scrupulosity. You want people who are going to call it out. And, uh, you know, actually recently, I won't, I won't say about what, but I kind of hastily, I mean, especially considering the extent of it, I hastily made a promise to God that was like literally for the rest of my life. And my wife was like, no, like, she's like that. You, you can't even consider this a real promise. She was like, you basically, it was a kind of a, it was a thing that wasn't entirely sinful, but was maybe immoderate that I wanted to work on. It was almost like a self-help type of thing. And she was really direct with me. She was like, I mean, this is just self-help you're involving the Lord in, um, which was, which was great. But, you know, I, scrupulous people need to be comfortable with even, I don't know if you've heard of the 10 commandments of the scrupulous, but it's basically one of those 10 commandments of the scrupulous is to always go with the less scrupulous option um, as a scrupulous person. So I made this promise and I'm still tormented. I'm like, now I've got to keep it for the rest of my life. Do I need to dispense this and that? I happened to read an article by, uh, by Jimmy Aiken uh, on uh, uh, National Catholic Register. It came out in 2018. And it was, I mean, literally titled, like, What People with OCD Need to Know About Promises. 
uh, which OCD is the kind of psychological aspect of scrupulosity. And he basically said like, God desires for you to act against that impulse and he desires your, your healing. And so if you have made a hasty promise that reasonable people can say like, that's way over the top, like God is pleased with you act with you saying that wasn't legit that came from a place of uh kind of torment and you can move forward with your life with that not being binding now that's uncomfortable for a scrupulous person here right because you just feel like you bound yourself under pain of mortal sin or something although i didn't use those words right yeah. but uh but i think that that's an important thing you got to be careful with that and you, you do need a confessor and you do need to you know work those things out but um yeah, you got to act against that impulse and have exactly. to don't reinforce it. Exactly. So your wife, what's her full background, her story? I don't know if, if this yeah. was something where you were married in 2015. Maybe just speak to the, the marriage and everything leading up to the marriage from 2011 yeah. when you came into the church to 2015 and getting married. Yeah, so I came into the church in 2011, um, uh, came to... Uh, to Ave Maria in 2011 as well. Um, and that's where I, where I met my wife. Um, so she, she, I, I'll spare some of the details about family life and so forth, but essentially she had, she had a hard life. Um, and, uh, she was baptized Catholic, uh, but then kind of, I don't, I'm not even sure she was ever, yeah, she wasn't confirmed like through what her, through her parents bringing her through the process or anything uh but she also interestingly enough through a teacher at a, at a catholic school uh was really just uh i mean hers is a story of just simple as mine is just simple evangelization by love she just felt loved and she knew that 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 came uh from from god and she uh eventually wound up uh taking her catholic faith very seriously uh, she ended up majoring in theology at Ave Maria University. Um, she's now kind of moved the, the social work route. Um, but uh, yeah, so we met and uh, I'll just tell, she might be embarrassed for me to tell the story, but it's funny because we met and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny story. My, my wife, I was uncharacteristically uh, outgoing that weekend at Ave Maria University. Like I'm a relatively introverted person. Uh, become less over time and I was talking to everyone I was talking to every girl I was talking to every guy I was just whatever and my wife and I we were both at this transfer meeting because we were both transfer students I did a year at a community college she did a year at UGA um, we now live in Georgia and uh, and she came into the meeting and I saw her and she said hi to me and I I literally don't know what came over me I just I basically just turned away and didn't say hi I was just shy I don't know why and my wife oddly enough at that moment said uh, I think I'm going to marry that guy. And that's, that's what happened. So uh, it was, it was, it was really interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, we started dating, you know, we were probably had some immaturity. We started dating a month into our time at Ave Maria and we stayed together the rest of the time. We got married right uh, when we got out. And, uh, and my wife was there with me through, you know, the worst of those scrupulosity times. And, and actually, you know, because of her past, she said in some ways, like, she was, it was because she had so much brokenness, like there was like, I guess a sense of solidarity there and something that made that relationship significant and, and, and deep. Um, it was a different kind and she didn't struggle with scrupulosity, but, uh, but yeah, so then we got married and now we, uh, we, we have uh, two kids um, and, uh, you know, I won't, won't say too much, but if your viewers and you would, would pray for them, we've got two kids with uh, significant health problems. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's struggle. Um, and uh, we recently had uh, kind of a, a, a failed adoption with a, with a teenager who we were really hopeful for, because uh, my wife works with, uh, with, uh, with teenage girls um, in a, like an, an emergency shelter, essentially. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's been, a, it's been a beautiful ride. Um, and, uh, and if I can say anything, you know, um, just to speak to that aspect, because uh, the, the aspect of marriage and how that plays into conversion, 
uh, you know, my, my, my confessor always talks about how, like, remember that marriage is a sacrament. You are living a sacrament and you are receiving grace from a sacrament. You're entering into a sacrament on a daily basis. Um, and so that's in, in itself beautiful. And, uh, you know, they were going to be, especially as Catholics, like, you know, my wife and I have totally different dispositions. I tend towards, and, uh, you know, I'll credit, by the way, someone like a Michael Lofton and his show with keeping me away from this, but I tend towards a, uh, a, an extreme traditionalism. And my wife tends maybe even towards uh, like a, a little left in the church, right? And, uh, and man, there have been, there have been some serious arguments about that and some biting comments that I still regret. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that one thing to always remember is like, you, you're only going to have as, as, as much common ground as you can in marriage. And then you need to, uh, you need to be able to, uh, just, just love, um, and, uh, and stay away. This is just a personal, uh, uh, piece of advice for me stay away from the people chattering on the internet who are just stirring up, um, you know, anger in, uh, in, in the faithful. Uh, I'm not going to name names. I think a lot of us know who they are. Um, but, but don't let that stuff destroy your spiritual life, because at least in my case, it will come into your marriage. It will come into your friendships. It'll do all of that. Um, so, you know, uh, that's, I think, an important piece as well uh, that, you know, I, again, I brought up because it kind of played into the aspect of my marriage. No, I appreciate it. You've been so open about this, and I appreciate that. Um, we will Good. certainly pray for your family, for the kids, for your parents, right? Yeah. You said your your mom is, she doesn't talk about it much now. I know in the past you, you had yeah, that so major moment when she opened up about her beliefs. Yeah. So, I mean, she still says she's an, she's an atheist. Um, but it's, it's interesting. Cause you know, I see everyone's from all, like things on Facebook that she posts that are like, you know, about angels watching over us. And, um, uh, she, she'll, we joke about it, but you know, she'll pray for me if I ask her to, and this, this and that. So it, it's an interesting, uh, dynamic. Um, but yeah, she's, uh, she's, claims to be an atheist she's certainly not catholic um but strong kind of sense of uh morality you know it's it's really interesting over the years and i i don't know if it has to do with my conversion or not but you know for example the the i mean she's always been you know, like politically say a, a republican but she the the reason why she voted in 2016 uh let's just say against Hillary Clinton was because of the abortion issue. And I was like, wow, that was, that really, that really struck me that, uh, that, that she had the, the eyes to, to see that. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, my mom, uh, still atheist, uh, my, my dad, um, you know, he's, he's, he's Catholic, I think, uh, extremely simple faith, uh, not practicing regularly, um, I don't think understands the significance of not practicing regularly. Mm -hmm. He's literally said to me before, like I was born Catholic, I'm going to die Catholic, you know, that, that sort of, uh, thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Excellent. So as a, well, you're not new 10 years now in the faith, you've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, what's your general take on the state current state of the church. And I appreciate the advice you gave about, avoiding certain um divisive forums channels mm -hmm. things like that because that's so true it's on your spirit you carry that out there how can you be light it's so difficult and i pray for all those people that are in those camps that um it's more about i guess being right i don't know i'm still trying to work out some of this i see the zeal but then the zeal goes too far to a point where people are not understanding you're not you're not how can you be charitable with that much anger pulsing through you that kind of thing yeah well and and i think so I'll, I'll get to kind of my take in a second but i think um you know to to be really fair like those people themselves are scandalized right they're scandalized yeah. by what they've seen um i'm, I'm going to continually I, I reason and theology is like my go-to channel so i'm going to continually kind of refer to 
some of Michael's stuff, but he, he had, uh, he has this comment by, it might've been a religious sister and I, I don't even know the historical background to it, but she basically said like, people are so scandalized by what they see that they'd essentially, I mean, this wasn't the exact context or the exact thing that she said, but essentially that they'd believe anything that the Pope is a Freemason, that he's this and that, like other, because they just can't fathom the fact of the state of the church and how bad it is essentially. Um, and so, and the church is something dear to them. And so they have to be able to kind of rationalize what they see. So sure. I, I have uh, the, like the utmost sympathy for that. And, and that's why I wouldn't name names or anything. I think yeah. these are, are, are good hearted, but yeah, the state of the church, you know, um, I remain, uh, I try to remain uh, or refrain from judgment, let's say specifically about Pope Francis. Um, I don't know. Let's take, for example, Traditionis Custodis. I, uh, myself, not, not my wife, she's not the biggest fan, but I try to attend the traditional Latin mass fairly frequently. I love it. I'm drawn to it. Uh, but I guess my view on it would be this is to like some, and this is just an instance of something that we can use as an example. Um, I, I tend to just say, let's, let's, let's in, interpret things as charitably as we can. Um, and, and let's take Pope Francis at his word uh, for what he said. Uh, let's, you know, if there's room to disagree on prudential matters, this and that, let's do yep. that. Yep. Um, and otherwise, just live the faith. Um, yep. And I don't want to act as though, you know, we should bury our heads in the sand. Um, because obviously, I mean, going back to the McCarrick scandals and and I mean, there, there's, I mean, there's plenty of scandal to go around, um, but uh, recognize it, pray that it, that it ceases and, uh, and live your faith. Cause I think if, uh, again, if you go down that, that road, it's, it's one rabbit hole after another, and yeah. you, you may find yourself out of the church yep. Uh, yep. after that. Yep. Well, one thing I think we can all do that, I don't know how many people are doing it, but we've got to pray for all. It seems like there are a lot of different camps and we've got to pray for. It's reunification within the church. You know, I've spent a lot of time talking about and a big part of my journey was recognizing all the camps in the Protestant world. Yep. and all the differing theologies well even though it's not the same as i've advocated for before as, as it relates to statement a statement of faith we're all under one roof the cliques start to form and it gets a little bit difficult for those that are coming into the church to see that and say i just left that type of community <laughs> can't even call it community we just need to pray more for that and be willing to um yeah i guess just discuss it just discuss it because that's what michael mentioned as well where if you are unwilling to acknowledge the sins in your life and and the church right then what good is your witness if, if you come across as if everything is peachy always in order to make your point or you feel that that has to be true in order to make your point well it's not it's not it's not going to work out clearly yeah and you know um and I'll, I'll speak because this is kind of the side that i that i tend towards although i think you know praise god i've kind of moved away from radical traditionalism let's say but uh yeah. You know, just to speak to those people, I, I, I would I would ask, you know, for as, as I have had to do some some soul searching, I'm going to make a statement here that a lot of people are not going to like, but, you know, Bishop Barron is not your enemy. Um, Bishop Barron may have a few uh, uh, problematic uh, 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 theological opinions, and I, I'm the first to acknowledge that. Um, and they may be serious. Right. But taking a statement from a pope that you know one drop of 
uh, of heresy poisons all the water. I get it, but like that man is evangelizing and bringing so many people to the faith. And the first, I was scandalized the first time I heard someone basically say he was vanilla and, you know, just basically dismiss him. But then I started to become that. And so just ask people to just calm down, like uh, be charitable um, and, and, uh, and recognize that we're all really seeking and, and moving after the same thing, which is Christ. Very good. Very good. And uh, I, it forces you, this is the last thing I'm going to say, and then we'll end it. Sure, sure. It forces you into a position to whoever you're listening to at that moment. You don't think there's someone over your shoulder that's going to recognize the person that you have put on a pedestal in some way. You don't think that person's going to say, he just had something that I disagree with. He's vanilla. It's so ridiculous. It's so dangerous to start calling out people based on one instance or two instances and not recognize some of the good that they're contributing. And plus it puts you in a position also where you are, I guess, looking for someone that mirrors everything, everything that you've personally interpreted, every, every decision, prudential, using your prudential judgment. Oh, he aligns with my thoughts. So he's right at this moment. You know, it's, it's, yeah, so I'll say, you know, and I think the, the unfortunate thing is that some people genuinely lose what's called, I guess it's the census fidei or census fidelium, the sense of faith. Oh, right? sure. Yeah. But uh, my, you know, my, my, my spiritual director talked about this, like, the faithful really do have a, a sense of faith, which I think gets, gets marred as you immerse yourself in some of these uh, really kind of ideologically oriented uh, figures. But you know, listen to that. It, as my, my spiritual director is just really simple. He said, like, if you sense that something is off from what you really know about Catholic doctrine, um, like, pause and think about it. And, and like, I will, I'll say, like, I, I, through the formation I received at Ave Maria, which was beautiful, um, I just had a coming out of that school like I had just a docility to the magisterium maybe even excessive like you know I know for example maybe the catechism is not infallible maybe we can argue with pieces of it here and there but like my default was to have a docility and then I moved away from that and I think and I've, I've since come back but uh you know I think I was noticing here and there oh that's a little off but I was tolerating it because the emotions were being stirred up the everything was was uh, uh, was kind of gearing me towards developing a more kind of radical and uncharitable position in, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, definitely guard against that. Um, you know, I've I've not uh, I've, I only discovered your channel a little while back, but from what I see, your channel is great. I, I know how you ended your interview on reason and theology, where you just stress the need for charity, and I think that um, you know that's. Uh, at, at the end of the day, like, you know, uh, faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. Yeah. So. Yeah. We can just try, <laughs> try our best. So Sean, thank you so much. Thanks again for being so candid. It takes a lot, it takes a lot of courage. So I appreciate that. Um, everyone until next time, take care and God bless.